What is up, 9 a.m.? How are you guys doing this morning? You guys doing good in our mask required service? These are all the super healthy people in our church. We're glad that you're with us today. Can you help me welcome everybody that's joining us online as well? All of our family that's still watching at home, man. We love you guys. We miss you guys. Uh, I'm excited as we're diving into a brand new series today called Multiply. Before we kind of get into that, uh, I have a couple things that I just want to throw your way and let you know about. We're getting ready to go into what we would call like a legacy season uh, here at our church. And, and, and a couple times a year, specifically in this season, we do something a little bit different. We do uh, a time where we give you some updates on what's happening and how God is moving in our church. And so a couple things that are happening. Um, we've been talking about the expansion of this facility here for a little while. We've been in permitting here for quite some time. And we want to let you know that on June 6th, on Sunday afternoon, June 6th, we're going to be having a groundbreaking for the expansion of this Parkland facility. And we're excited about that. And then in, in June, we'll actually be breaking ground on that and starting construction uh, of our future auditorium so we can turn all this into next generation space so we can raise up a generation that will impact and affect the world. It's going to be incredible. Also, with that, um, next weekend, everybody say next weekend. Next weekend, you do not want to miss church. We've got a huge, huge announcement that you've got to be here next weekend to actually hear about. Uh, it's something that God has been doing behind the scenes that, that I can't wait to share with you, but I, I have to share it next weekend. Ever had a secret and you're just like, man, I, I just want to blurt it out, but you just can't, like you just got to wait for that moment. Next weekend is going to be that moment. It's going to be incredible. And, and with all of that, um, coming up on June 12th and 13th, we're going to have an opportunity to give above and beyond towards uh, the future of our church when it comes to our legacy and what we've been talking about over the last couple of years. And so on your chair, you'll, you'll find an envelope that looks like this. And here's what we would do. We would ask of you. We don't ever ask you to give. Here's what we do. We ask you to pray and ask God how he would want you to be a part of what is happening in your church. And what, whatever God says to you, we just ask that you'd be obedient to that. And, and on that day, you would come and be prepared to uh, be a part of what God is doing here at Coastal Community Church so we can make it hard for people to go to hell by making it easy for them to go to church so they can experience, know, and follow Jesus because that's what it's always been about. That's what it will continue to be about. It's gonna be like that for future generations. So today we are starting a brand new series called Multiply. And what we're doing over the next couple of weeks is we're looking at one of Jesus's most prominent miracles, the miracle of him feeding the, the 5,000 with five loaves and two fish and here's what I know is that that church people love to eat like I've yet to meet a church person that doesn't like to eat not only do they like to eat but they like free food and so I, I, I've been hearing man when we bring a pizza back on Saturday nights when we bring a pizza back after the last service why because church people love them some free food and so this is a this is a miracle where Jesus provides some free food for people and the story says that 5,000 people were actually fed but it goes on to say 5,000 men, so scholars actually believe that there were somewhere between 15 and 20,000 people that were actually fed this day, so it's a pretty big miracle, and I think it's interesting because God's timing is always perfect. 
And you think about the timing of when God sent his son Jesus to the earth. You think about the death and the crucifixion that Jesus took uh, on his way to the cross. The, the scourgings, the whippings, the beatings, and then him being crucified on the cross. Like God sent Jesus at the perfect time because how many of you know that in society today we would never let something like that happen? We would never allow somebody to go through that sort of punishment for something out there. There would be so many trials and retrials and in prison sentences. Like, it would never get to that. And I'm not really here to talk about that story. I want to talk about the five loaves and two fish because here's what I know is, is when there is a food thing, like I've had the opportunity as a pastor to take a lot of missions trips over the years and we would take big groups of people to different countries. And I learned very, very early on in leading trips that when you go to a restaurant, you don't let people make orders. Because if you have a group of 30 or 40 people with you and you let everybody order, you'll be there all day with all the special orders that are gonna go on. So you know that you just roll up and you go, hey, we're gonna have 37 chicken meals and we're gonna have three these meals and that's what you're getting. And if you don't like it, you're gonna fast. It's just how it works on mission trips. If you've been wondering, man, I'd like to go on a mission trip. You have food things, you might not wanna go on a mission trip because that's how we roll. Like, we need timing. We don't have 37 hours to spend there. We have places to be and people to minister to. So you're gonna get whatever you take. And so you start to think about the miracle of Jesus feeding the, the 15 to 20,000 people with five loaves and two fish and you go, there's no way that that could happen. Like, just think about all the special orders that people would have. Think about all the complaints that would be going on. Jesus, I ordered whitefish. I only, I only eat uh, like seared ahi tuna. Like I, I, I'm, I, I ordered blackened and you sent me fried fish. Don't you see by my physique, I don't eat fried fish. I mean, you, you just think about all the things that would be going on. They'd be like, Jesus, does this bread have gluten in it? I, I'm disappointed that the Son of God did not plan well enough for his constituents to know that we were gluten intolerant. I mean, you, you, you just, like, Jesus, don't you know that I am on a plant-based diet? Or, or there's just too many carbs here. I'm on keto. I mean, we could use a little bit more fat content here. Maybe, maybe some avocado. Or maybe we could put some bacon on here. Oh, never mind. We're Jewish. We don't do that. Right? I mean, let's not even get into the fish. I mean, Jesus, is, is this farm-raised fish or is this line-caught fish? Because I, Jesus, I only eat line-caught fish. And, and let's not even get into tilapia because we're not even sure that's a fish. So this is like Long John Silver's, just go ahead and send that junk back. And I believe that Jesus came at the perfect time because this miracle right here would not exist in 2021 because we wouldn't allow it to happen. And we can get into the, 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 the theological debate later on how our opinions and our preferences get in the way of a move of God, but that's a debate and a sermon for another day. Come on, that's truth right there. How many times are our preferences and our opinions getting in the way of God moving in a supernatural way in our life? 
But this story is found in all four Gospels, and we're going we're gonna to hit some of these over the next couple of weeks. But today we're going to be in Matthew chapter 14. And Matthew's perspective, what's interesting about it is, is every Gospel brings a different perspective based on that person's personality. And, and they're all inspired by the Holy Spirit, but they're bringing their vantage point. And Matthew was a tax collector, and so his vantage point is, is he wanted people to understand that Jesus was a son of man, like he was born of a virgin, which is why he gives the genealogy in the very beginning of the book of Matthew. And, and he's focusing on, hey, I want to convey to the Jewish people how significant Jesus is, and, and I really want to reach these Jewish people that aren't my, my brothers and my sisters. And so Matthew chapter 14, we're going to read, and then we'll break it down a little bit. It says, as soon as Jesus heard the news, he left the, boat and he left the boat in a remote area to be alone. But the crowds heard he was headed and followed on foot from many towns. Jesus saw the huge crowds as he stepped from the boat and had compassion on them and healed their sick. That evening, the disciples came and said, this is a remote place, and it's already getting late. Send the crowds away so they can go to the villages and buy food for themselves. But Jesus says, that isn't necessary. You feed them. But we only have five loaves of bread and two fish, they answered. Bring them here, he said. Then he told the people to sit down on the grass. He took the five loaves and the two fish. He looked up towards heaven. He blessed them. Then breaking the loaves into pieces, he gave the bread to disciples who distributed it to the people. They ate as much as they wanted. And afterwards, the disciples picked up where 12 baskets of leftovers. About 5,000 men were fed that day in addition to all the women and children. And so I want to go back to verse 13, and I want to start right here because it says, as soon as they heard the news, and it's, it's really easy to pass over this and just, just continue to read, but sometimes we have to stop and we have to go, man, what, what is the context of what's happening here? Because the context of what's happening sets the tone for everything that's happening in the story. And so there was some news that Jesus had just broken in his life that was news that was probably the, one of the most tragic, most painful days of his life. It is the day that he hears that his first cousin his, his childhood, most likely one of his best friends, uh, John the Baptist, has been beheaded by Herod. And so it says as soon as Jesus, he's heard this news, and you can imagine in this moment how broken he is because John the Baptist has been somebody that has been paving the way for him. I mean, when Jesus came to get baptized, John the Baptist, who had all the credibility in the world, says, hey, everybody, this is the one that we've been waiting for. This is the future savior of Israel. Check it out. His credibility already preceded Jesus, and so he opened doors for him that he would have never opened before in life. He had paved the way, and now this central figure to Jesus' life is now dead. And Hebrews tells us that we don't just have a high priest that, that sympathizes with us. We actually have a God who empathizes with us. And the reason he can empathize with us is because he knows what it's like to experience loss and hurts and pain and despair. And now, all of a sudden... Jesus is having to do ministry. 
And the Bible says that it's, he was in a remote place. In fact, it says it two times in the passage of Matthew. And, and I felt like as I was reading this, the Spirit of God just was speaking to me and saying, man, I don't know who this is for, whether you're in this room or you're watching online right now, but you are in a remote place. And I don't know if it's because of COVID or some sort of relational fraction that is going on in your life or because you lost your job or you're experiencing some health issues, but you right now in this season, of life are in a remote place and you've lost sight of what is important in life and you feel isolated and you feel alone and you feel like you like man where is God and I would just be here to tell you today that God wants to remind you that your season of seclusion does not mean that you have to surrender your purpose like that season that you're in doesn't mean you have to give up on everything that God has put within you. And Jesus is right here in the middle of a remote place. And God uses him in this moment to do one of the biggest miracles that would have had the greatest impact on the most amount of people in a single instant. So don't allow the world to tell you that everything is changing because while a lot of things may change, there are some things that should never change and that is about you loving God and you serving people. And you need to catch this. Jesus served right in the middle of his pain. He didn't wait for the pain to go away. He didn't wait for himself to feel all the emotions drained out of himself. He, he jumped right in the middle of it while he was broken, while he was grieving, while he was hurting. And, and, and it was through his pain that he was still a healer and a provider to so many who needed it because he was still thinking about others. And I know some of you are like, but TJ, what about my pain? But TJ, what, 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 what about what I'm going through? Listen, I'm not saying that what you're going through isn't a thing. I'm just saying that thing that you're going through shouldn't be the main thing in your life. What we have to do is we have to keep the main thing the main thing, and that's about loving God and making others, God's love known to them in this world. We gotta keep our purpose in front of us because Jesus was living on purpose even in the middle of a remote and desperate place. He didn't allow his seclusion to cause him to surrender his purpose. See, I've just learned that your pain, my pain, that pain, it can be an excuse or it can produce. Listen, your, your pain can be an excuse in life or it can begin to produce the thing that God wants to do inside of you. And so the question is, is, is your pain calling you, causing you to shrink back? Or is your pain pushing you forward into your purpose in life? The Bible says that when he saw the crowds, Jesus saw the crowds in this story, he had compassion on them. Do you, do you ever think that maybe the reason he had compassion is because he had a renewed sense of passion for people because he was experiencing pain himself and therefore he could have compassion on other people that maybe they were experiencing pain too? I've just noticed in my life that when I go through difficult things, all of a sudden my vantage point of people starts to change because I start to think, man, maybe they're having a bad day because they're going through something too. Man, I'll never forget, almost two years ago, 
Actually, right now, we, we were in the middle of, of losing our foster son, Alexander, and, and him being reunited with, with his biological father. And I remember being in so much emotional pain in the middle of that moment. And I, and, and I remember this moment where I was like, man, I don't know if I want to go back. Like, I was, I was on break here from church, and I remember telling Shayla, I don't know that I'm, I'm going to go back. Like, I don't know that I'm going to do that. And I remember waking up one day in so much pain, and I just decided in that moment, like, oh, man, I am so mad at the devil right now. Like, I, I, you know what? I'm going to give the rest of my life to kicking his Like, I'm not gonna allow this pain to cause me to shrink back. You know what it's gonna do? It's gonna cause me to go forward in life and do everything I can do to make sure that nobody else ever has to endure this again. And you can allow your pain to be an excuse for why you don't live out your purpose, or you can choose to use that pain as fuel for your purpose. And I don't know what your pain is here today, and I'm not trying to minimize your pain. I'm trying to maximize your purpose. And some of us have been maximizing our pain and minimizing our purpose in this season. And maybe you're going through that pain, and I'm not saying that God created that pain because that's not his nature. That's not what he does. But God will use your pain for something powerful. What the enemy meant for evil, God turns for good. And maybe it's time for some of you to start to realize that pain has a purpose so that you'll start to see some things that maybe you never knew were actually going to be your purpose in life because you have experienced that pain that is going to propel you forward. It can be an excuse or it can produce. Back to the story. And, and this is so interesting because the disciples in this story, they almost miss it. They, they were so, so focused on their selfish pain in this story that they almost miss the miracle that is about to happen. And, and we see it in every single one of the accounts. They're like, hey, rabbi, hey, pastor, hey, Jesus. Listen, you need to know the people are hungry. Notice the air quotations there. The people, they don't know anything about the people. They're hungry. They're like, Jesus, you've been breaking off some teaching. Like, we came here for a sermon, and you did a series all in one setting. We usually do that over about four to six weeks, but you've done it all in one day. And, and the people are hungry. It's been a long day. Verse 19, he says, he told the people to sit down on the grass. Jesus took the five loaves and the two fish. He looked up towards heaven and he blessed them. Then breaking the loaves into pieces, he gave the bread to the disciples who distributed it to the people. And so here's, here's something really, really important as we move forward in trusting God with every aspect in our lives. There are some things in life that I believe that God wants to break down and he wants to change and he wants to transform. In fact, I was thinking about it this week. It's this, is there is a blessing in the breaking. There is a big blessing in the breaking. God received what he had, he took it, he broke it, he blessed it, and then he gave it back to them. God talks, took something that they thought was insufficient and insignificant, put it in his hands, he blesses it and he breaks it and he puts it right back in their hands. And I've just learned that there are some things that are better that are broken in life. Now track with me, there's like, and you might disagree, like what's better broken? I'll tell you something that's better that's broken, eggs. 
listen, I'm not trying to raise a chicken farm. I'm trying to eat some scrambled eggs. It's better broken. Give it scrambled, over medium, poached, fried egg, way better broken. Ice is better broken. You can have that big old cube. I like shaved ice. I like crushed ice. Like I like some ice from Sonic. Come on, somebody. We all know that that smaller, that smaller ice is broken. When it's broken, it's better, right? Dennis doesn't think so, but I think so. How about this one? For sports fans out there, baseball gloves, better when they're broken, right? You, you, you put some, leather, some oil on there, you put a ball in there, put a rubber band, you put it in the microwave, you put it in the oven, you set it outside. It's better when it's broken. Ladies, you'll, you'll understand this. Maybe a couple of you guys will understand this. Jeans, better when they're broken. Just way better than when they're broke. Some of y'all are like, oh, why are you wearing those skinny jeans? Listen, I haven't washed these skinny jeans in like six years. Because if I washed them and dried them, I would never be able to fit back in them again. Why? Because they're better when they're broken in, right? Okay, last one, last one. And I know every parent will agree with me. Noisy kids' toys are better when they're broken. Come on, somebody. No parent ever bought their child a noisy toy. That is from ignorant aunts and uncles and grandparents that forgot what it was like to have kids that wanted to torture you. And so like, you should break them. That might be better. But anyways, some things are better broken. And there is a blessing in the breaking. And sometimes God needs to break some things down in our lives in order for us to experience the blessing that he wants to put in our lives. And, and God actually desires that we would have a spirit of brokenness in our life. Yeah. Like that we would walk, and, and what I mean by that is that is that we would get to this place where our arrogance and our pride would go away and we would get to this place where we are like, God, I, I don't know where to turn, but I'm turning to you and here is all of me with all that I am, I surrender to you. That's what brokenness is. I mean, all throughout scripture, he, he talks about Psalm 34, 18, the Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. I mean, there's a whole bunch of scriptures that are listed there for you. I don't really have time to go through them all, but there is a, there's a principle that, that there is a blessing in the breaking. And I want to go back to verse 15 because I think that there are three things that God wants to break in our life right now. He, he, he wants to change and fix some broken areas. And it says this in verse 15, that evening the disciples came to him and said, this is a remote place and it's already getting late. Send the crowds away so that they can go to the villages and buy some foods for themselves. Let's just stop right there because any anytime you kind of start a conversation with Jesus with you should, like, you shouldn't ever start a conversation with the Lord with you should. I don't know about you, but I've been in some conversations where I start talking, and as immediately as soon as the words go out of my mouth, I'm like, ooh, that's not what I want to say. It's like, you want to grab those words back? Like you, like, you just know that, like, this is heading in the wrong direction. In fact, some of you guys will subvert that conversation. You should, Jesus, try that new restaurant down the road. It's really good. Like, you're trying to save yourselves. And, and Jesus kind of flips the script on them and turns it on them. And he says, but Jesus said, that isn't necessary. You feed them. And I'm, I'm sure the disciples were like, mm, Jesus, you kind of miss what we're going at here. <laughs> like, remote place, lots of people, we don't have anything. 
Listen, the spiritual food that you've been given is good. I mean, I'm just going to be honest. It's, this is great. But they need to eat. And he's like, yeah, you hook them up. And he's trying to do something. And number one, if you're taking notes, God wants our thinking broken. Wants our thinking broken. Because when we ascribe to the ways of the world and we're strategizing and we're doing analytics and we're coming up with all this truth and we have my truth and we're taking that over God's truth, he's going, man, your thinking needs to be broken. And so many of us, myself included, we think we have it all together. I mean, that's what the disciples thought right here. They had gotten together and said, hey, what is the plan? They've come up with this great plan. They, they send the representative up to Jesus and going, hey, Jesus, the people are hungry. That was their plan. They came up, that was their concoction. We know he cares a lot about people. And so if we tell him the people are hungry, then maybe, just maybe, We'll get a little breather here. And Jesus is like, no, you feed them. See, we're going to see in the next few verses that not only is their thinking broken, but it's way too small. And I think for a lot of us, not only is our thinking broken, but it's way too small for what God wants to do in our lives. And he needs to break our thinking on some things. I think one of the areas that he needs to break our thinking on is this area called suffering. It's not popular to preach, but I think that during the middle of what has happened in the last season, a lot of Christians have retreated because they didn't know that Christians had to go through anything. They thought life was just going to be rainbows and butterflies, and, and all of a sudden they're going through some difficulty, they're going through some hardship, and they're going, man, well, this God thing must not be real. I'm abandoning God, and I'm going to go try to figure it out on my own. I've lost my job. I've lost some friendships. I've lost my confidence. The problem is, is have you never read the New Testament? Like, it's not going to get better. Jesus said, in this world, you will have trouble he didn't say you might he said man it is coming and it's coming hard at you it's not if you're going to have trouble it's when you're going to have trouble like trouble isn't like arriving late or like we've got the air turned down way too cold Trouble is global pandemics, divisive elections, racial tension, economic meltdowns, gas prices surging, home prices surging. Like, it's it's trouble. It's trouble because we were shocked because our thinking is broken. And over the next couple weeks, I'm going to talk about how our thinking needs to be rebuilt on on how we live our lives and how we give our time and what we do with our talent and specifically our treasure and our giving. And in this story, you'll find that there's a little boy and, and basically what they do in some of the other gospels is Peter just walks up and snatches this little boy's lunch and he's like, that's Jesus's now. Thank you very much in Jesus' name. Just takes it. Some of you, you, you feel like that's what the church does to me too. They're just trying to take my things. That's not the kind of church we are, but in this story, it works. So they, they basically stole his lunch. And they bring this lunch to Jesus knowing that it is not going to be enough. And I just want you to know that's all that God is asking for from you. He's not asking you to fix 
and figure out everything. He's just asking, is what you have available to him? Is what you have available? And have you thought about the fact that if this little boy would, would have ran back after Peter and snatched his lunch back, there would have never been a miracle. Can you imagine this little boy said, no, no, no. What, I'm sorry you didn't prepare. My mom prepared me for this day. Sucks to be you. No, this miracle was hinged on a little boy saying, somebody else needs it, okay. What if our thinking changed? I think another aspect of our thinking that he wants to change is, is our view of him, specifically when it comes to miracles and the power of God. And this story just shows what God can do if we will just get out of the way. And I want to thinking to change about who God says he is and what God says he can do. And, and, and when life gets out of control where we just go, God, I don't know what's happening, but here's the thing. Is God, I surrender to you and I submit to you. And I think that when we get in that position, that position is a recipe for miracles to take place in our life. We have to change our thinking. This is in verse 16. Jesus said, that isn't necessary. You feed them. See, this entire time they were trusting that a restaurant was going to feed these people. They were trusting that maybe they were going to go home and somebody at their home was going to feed them. And, and, and they were trusting in the wrong system. And number two, God wants our trust broken. He wants to get rid of our excuses and the things that we have built our lives on that are not him. Let's be honest, we, we build a lot of our trust on our gifts, our talents, our status, where we live, what we drive, what career we have, what our relational world looks like right now. And those are not bad things, they're just not the most important thing. And he wants our trust not to be on things of this world, but on the thing that created this world, the thing that makes this world go around, which is him. And so he sends the disciples away. Like, you go, you go figure this out, knowing that whatever they brought back was going to not be enough. And they come back and they go, man, we didn't really do great, but this is all we have. And he goes, well, that's all I need. For you to put whatever you have, whatever you've put your trust in, you go, God, I surrender that trust to you. Here's what I've learned is that miracles happen when trying ends and trust begins. And they didn't do a miracle, they hijacked a lunch. It tells me that God can redeem anything in life. They just did all they could. This is all we have. Here it is, Jesus. God wants to break our trust and number three, God wants to break you so he can build back, build you back the right way. God wants to break you so he can build you back the right way. And then, listen, it isn't a fun process, but it's needed. It, it, it takes some work, but it's needed. It takes some faith, but it's needed. And where we're going as a church and where we're going as a people of God to make it hard for people to go to hell by making it easy for them to go to church so they can experience, so they can know, and so they can follow Jesus. 
I need you to catch this, church. Good enough isn't good enough anymore. Like, good enough is not going to cut it moving forward. Let me, let me say it this way. In the very beginning of our church, like a lot of entrepreneurs and, and, and small businesses, we, we, when we first got our, our first, like, real office space, it was, uh, it was on Blount Road in uh, Pompano Beach right next to the prison, really high-class district there. And, uh, you know, but it was what we could afford. We were so excited about it. And, and being that we, we were this newer church and we, we were super pumped about this. We were like, man, we got to outfit these digs. And so we, we did what, what everybody that wants to be tortured does. We went to an Ikea on Saturday. The whole day. You want to know what the seven layers of hell, that's not even real. But if there were seven layers of hell is, it's Ikea on a Saturday. And it's, it's, it's any, any, any place you go where they give you a treasure map to make it through the place, you know that that's going to be a bad experience. And so, you know, it's like you walk in, you're like, where do I go? You're just, you're walking around like, where does these arrows lead? And like, can you imagine if there was an ever a fire in Ikea? Everybody would burn up. Like, they just, the worst safety plan ever. You're just, you're just kind of wandering around. You're looking for an employee. There's only like seven of them working there. They're all cooking meatballs. I mean, it's just... It's, it's terrible, and you'll sit there, by, by, you'll find a couch, and you're like, man, I really like this couch. You've been sitting there for two hours, somebody finally comes by, you're like, I would like to buy this couch. They're like, you cannot buy that couch until you go work in our warehouse for two hours. <laughs> like, and then you go downstairs, you finally make it downstairs after about seven hours, and you've, you've just, you're actually in a warehouse just with boxes and boxes. You go down an aisle, and you find that couch, and it's in a box this big, right? You're like, how do they do this? And there's no car, so you have to lug it to the checkout line. It's going to take you another hour or two, and... I mean, it's just, I believe that it's a social experiment from the Swedes. They're like, hey, we just want to see if Americans will do this. It's hilarious. Uh, so we buy all this, this office furniture for, for our offices and this space. We go back. It takes us a week to put it together because the, the tools are only this big, right? You know, it's like, really? You can't give me like a screwdriver or something, something that's like actually functional. Um, and, and so we, we, we start putting stuff together and we're putting it in all these offices. And we're, we're so proud of ourselves because we're like, we're, like, now we're somewhat legitimate. We're not just this portable church that shows up on Sunday somewhere. We have, we have a home base. I remember rolling into my, my office one, one day. It was the first day I'd walked in there to work. And, and I threw my book bag down on my desk. And the desk, like, shakes back and forth like this. And I'm like, ooh, not sure that's how that's supposed to go. And it's, <laughs> like, is stability in a desk really that important? You know, it's like, because it took a lot of work and a lot of effort to get to this point. And it'd be really easy to say, well, you know what? That's good enough. And I think too many Christ followers with their view of generosity and sacrifice and the power of God and their trust and their thinking have settled into the, this will do. This is good enough. 
Now, I, I, I can't use it to its fullest because at any point it might just crumble and fall over. And, and, and I'm just going to stay here because we aren't willing to allow the Holy Spirit to go through the work of going through our lives and breaking some things down so they can be rebuilt the right way. And listen, I'm not saying that it's going to be an easy thing. What I am saying is that it will be worth it because there are some things that he needs to break off your life right now so you can have the stability that you need to be worked on. In fact, some of you right now, you would say, man, my, my, my life's not even built. Like my life is still in the box. Like it's not even functional. It's still in a thousand pieces. Like, what could God do with that? Listen, if God can create the world out of nothing, he can do something with the broken pieces of your life that is beautiful and transformative if you'll allow him to work it. And my goal over the next couple of weeks as we dive into this story is that God would begin to rebuild some things in our life in a fresh and a new and a different way with a new perspective of our life of what God wants to do in us and through us with our lives and how God wants us to fully and completely trust him and how he wants us to begin to change and transform our thinking and renew our minds so that we're actually living with the mind of Christ wants to break our thinking. He wants to break the things that we trust in other than him. And for somebody listening today, maybe you're watching online or you're here in this room, he just literally needs to break you. And what I mean by that is he might need to just come into your life and change all of you. Maybe for the first time ever or the first time in a long time where you just recognize and realize that there is a need for a savior and that if, if you would be willing to allow him to come in and break it down and rebuild it, not only can he do that, he will do that. If you're willing to give him your life, give him access and allow the Holy Spirit to move into some places that you haven't allowed him in in a long time. With every head bowed and every eye closed, maybe you're in here today or you're watching online and, and today's the day that you need to surrender your thinking, maybe your trust but ultimately your life to the one who created it all, who can pick up the fragmented, the broken, the discarded pieces of your life and put them back together into not only something that is functional, but something that is beautiful and transformative, that doesn't just exist, but lives with purpose. And if that's you with every head bowed and every eye closed, if you just slip your hand up and say, you know what, Pastor TJ, I need to surrender my life to Jesus. If you just slip them up at the count of three or if you're watching online, if you just put your hand up there in the, in the comment section, we'd love to pray with you. One, two, three. Go ahead and slip those hands up. Yes, ma'am, I see you back there. Thank you, one. Yes, ma'am, two. Thank you. Anybody else? 
you just pray this prayer in your heart, as I pray it out loud, I would go, God, thank you so much for sending your son Jesus in the middle of the messes of life, the middle of pain. God, my pain is no longer going to be an excuse. It's going to be a purpose because you created me on purpose and for a purpose and with a purpose. And today I recognize that I have a need for a Savior, a God that can put my life back together again. And today I surrender my life to you. Thank you for sending your son Jesus to die on a cross, the sinner's death that I could not pay for on my own and, and rise again three days later so I could experience a life and life more abundantly. God, I ask you to come into my heart. Take over my life. I surrender my will in my way. You have access to everything. God, move in my life. Help me experience your love, your grace, your mercy, your truth, your life every day of my life. It's in Jesus' name that I pray.